Oh, yeah, we should, that's what we should do. We should do a behind the scenes. What does it really look like where you're sitting? Oh, you want to see? You want to see? Oh, Here we go. Here we go. Well, uh-uh. Oh, you got a treadmill? Uh-oh. I use that sucker too, baby. Oh, with a fan down on the bottom? I have to have a fan, man. You've seen me sweat, right? I have. Yeah. Yeah, it's right underneath the air conditioning vent too, so it's just a double, double duck, double trifecta. If my have a fan on that treadmill, it would be a slip and slide. <laughs> <laughs> East Lake Community Church is an intentional, multicultural community empowered by the Holy Spirit. We passionately pursue a loving relationship with God and everyone Jesus was sent to die for, here, near, and far. Okay, we are officially kicking off podcast episode episode number six. We got it, right? Yeah. And this was, so we are in the book of Romans. We're reading Romans backwards because we just can't be normal. We just have to do it backwards. Um, Yep, there's the book that Ray's holding up by Scott McKnight. Um, it is really good. Ooh. Romans is one of my favorite books, um, just because every time you read it, there's something different, and I have never read it backwards. It's like playing one of the Beatles records backwards, and supposedly it's you know a whole secret message or something. Not this. This is this is different. Um, but it really pertains to our world today. And this last Sunday, Ray, I don't know, is there a an overall title that you would give last Sunday's message? Um, I, I have a few shots that I throw at it but what would you say it, it was actually understanding the strong and the weak oh yeah which makes perfect sense yeah and so we were he went back into Romans 14 um which Michelle's going to be in this Sunday as well it's going to be really good but um didn't touch the whole thing and so I'm going to kind of go through it and we'll just bring up questions for you guys and we'll just kind of rehash Sunday but I hope our goal when we do this podcast is that it really gives us practical um, things that we can do throughout the week and and things that we can implement. And also that it just gives us a different lens to look at the scripture. And uh, I've gotten really good feedback from people who've been watching this and enjoying it. And I hope you guys have too. Um, But thanks for joining us. Podcast episode six, Romans 14. Let me get my phone and read the very first passage, passage for us real quick here. So this is Romans 14.1, and it says, Welcome anyone who is weak in faith, but don't argue about disputed manners. One person believes he may be eating anything, while one who is weak eats only vegetables. One who eats must not look down on one who does not eat, and one who does not eat must not judge one who does because God has accepted him. Who are you to judge another's household servant before his own Uh, Before his own Lord, he stands or falls, and he will stand because the Lord is able to make him stand. And this is this is some strong stuff. I've got it highlighted here, and so I have a few things that that made me think about as you were preaching, Ray. And your opening statement after reading that scripture was this: It says, "As a church, we must be strong in acceptance, committed to staying in community." weak in judgment towards one another. I'm going to read that one more time. So Ray said this at the beginning and the end. As a church, we must be strong in acceptance, committed to staying in community, and weak in judgment towards one another. 
And so when I heard that, I thought this group of four people, we've all been called to a multicultural church, an intentional multicultural church, because everybody, every church would say we're multicultural. But we, I personally felt like God was calling me towards this. And so the question for, for you guys that I love to discuss is why? Why do you want to be at a multicultural church? or when you felt like God was calling you. And Michelle, you've been here since probably before some of these intentional changes were made, but what made you stay maybe might be the question for you. Why are we all sitting at this table? Why are we committed to staying in community? And uh, what makes us want to be here? So I'll I'll go somewhere in there, but you guys go for it. I think we should start with Michelle because of the way, what you brought up. (laughs) I'd love to hear that. Yeah, you know, I love people and I'm going to talk about that this coming Sunday. And it's really interesting to be exposed and learn from people from other cultures. But at the same time, um, we have things that rub us the wrong way from people with other cultures. And, um, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. said that Sunday was the most divided day of the week because every culture was practicing their faith in their own church. And so for years, Eastlake has had this idea that we wanted to be inclusive, that we wanted to have different kinds of people, um, but we really had trouble getting traction with that. And part of the reason was because we were praying for different people to come and be part of our leadership. I mean, we literally prayed Ray Washington and Tracy Um, into the church. And so while I was intrigued by this idea, I wanted to stay to see how it actually manifests when we put people in place that really had differences. Because it's one thing to theoretically talk about being in relationship and community with people who are different than me. It's another thing to actually do it and have to go to Ray and say, okay, um, so is this offensive and could you explain this to me because I don't get it and all those things. So yep. I love learning about people and I think God calls us to be in community with people who are different than us. Yep. So that's why I'm here still. I love it. You're still at the table. Still at the table. Uh, I've had the opportunity actually of living in both spaces. Um, I grew up in an all African-American neighborhood. There were no whites. And by the time I hit seven years old, I was being bused out of my neighborhood to go to an all white school. And then as an adult, I've worked in a multicultural world. I mean, that's what most of us work in. But I played right into the narrative that I was raised with. When it came time for worship on Sunday, I went to an all African-American Baptist church and it wasn't until the Lord shook me out of that context and said, you're done here and I'm sending you uh, to an all white church. And I would go to that church and it would be at that church that he would say, okay, let's make this multicultural (laughs) and I'm going to use you as part of my plan. Because of course, any, anytime I enter into a space that happens to be majority culture, well, just the presence of me or my family, now it becomes diverse. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, in coming down here, it was the same thing. He was like, okay, we're going to make this church be multicultural. 
-hmm. the why behind it, because that's where we're heading. Mm -hmm. We're heading there anyway. I mean, if, if we, if we refuse to do it here, then we're going to have a lot of difficulties uh, <laughs> in heaven because, well, what are they doing here? What are they doing? Mm -mm. Let's go ahead and practice it now. <laughs> so that by the time we conclude our last breath on this side mm -hmm. and we wake up on the other side, it will be exactly what he's always been wanting us to be about. Yeah. Except we do it into eternity. Mm -hmm. mm, that's so good, Ray. You know, for me, it, you know, when we adopted our son, um, for, for those that may not know, probably you all do, but um, we're a white family and we adopted Jacob and he is, he is biracial. Um, but we have to tell people he's biracial because, because he's, he's African-American by appearance. And when he came into our community in Vermont, I had already been on a road to try to figure out through my seminary training and just God breaking my heart to be, how can we reach across different color barriers, ethnic barriers and all these things in a very white place. Mm -hmm. When we walked in that building with my son, we changed the percentage of African-Americans in our community. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was like noticeable everywhere we went. And so for me, um, it started as a heart issue that God broke me of some racist tendencies in my family past. And, and now it's, it's about what Ray just said. Heaven is going to be diverse. So why should the church be anything but that? And, and, and selfishly, my son benefits when we are intentionally placing ourselves in a multi-ethnic environment, mm -hmm. uh, you know, right. And, and I mean, I'm going to name that that's real for me. Um, mm -hmm. It'd be a lie to say, Oh, it has nothing to do with my son. No, it has a lot to do with my son. And for that, I'm so grateful mm -hmm. because I should have been like that without my son. Mm. And now mm -hmm. I have an opportunity to, to be a part of something that we should all be anyway. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. I love it. I, I felt like, um, the position I was in spiritually, mentally, um, before coming to Eastlake was really on this road where every church that I had been a part of the, if I'm just being completely honest and they're wonderful churches, so I'm not, I'm not trying to throw them under the bus, but my experience, and honestly, I think the church as a whole went through this was very corporate and corporate driven in, in the, in the ways of, numbers and growth and, and and everything was about more and and just being completely frank with you in the mega church world appearance was a big thing um all the way to a fault I'll, I'll go ahead and say all the way to a fault and not that i'm that holy of a person to say oh i'm i'm better than this i'm not going to give into it i was uh, i was a part of it for 20 years and i lived in that realm and that was really one of the biggest driving forces was growth and and not just a lot of people say well that's the mission but i'm telling you behind closed doors it was growth it wasn't to make disciples it was growth and i was getting tired of it and i didn't really know if this was something that i wanted to even be a part of I, it just didn't thing honestly this holy spirit was moving in my life and stirring something new in me and one of the things that I felt like was missing was all these different people at the table. Our church or the churches that I've been a part of, everybody looked the same. All the way down to when we put people on stage, they looked the same weight, they looked the same shape. There was like this established, this is what a worship team looks like. And it, it just didn't feel right. And what about this person who might be older? They might be in their 50s and they've been you know, singing their heart out to the Lord 50. See how I am. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Watch it, they, 
and that's that's really old. Yeah, and don't hate months. me for that. I've got Sorry. But where I came from, people really were not allowed to be on the worship team that were older. I'm just being completely transparent with you. And what about this person that I'm having to have this conversation with because now they can no longer be on the worship team? It was just a really um, distorted way of doing things. And I just wanted to be a part of a church that said, I love Jesus. I'm here to worship him. It doesn't matter what we look like. And, and honestly, I kind of stumbled onto this whole multicultural experience. And when, the more I got into it and the more I learned about what Eastlake was trying to do, the more it just jazzed me up and made me so excited. Yes, let's get everybody at the table and uh, let's bring them all in here and let's do this. So that's kind of my story on how God moved me into this. I, I knew that I was in a position where I, I didn't feel comfortable with it anymore and then God opened this door and it and the deeper I'm diving into this intentional I'm saying intentional over and over because we are intentionally trying to drive this bus forward and do this together so that's how I landed here Ray will you just real quick if you remember this me and you had a conversation about a year ago at a conference where you you were talking about how sometimes for the black community you can not be black enough. And for the white community, you can be too white or too black or something. And all that I remember is that you said, I know that I'm a bridge builder. Does it, do you remember having that conversation with me? Talk about that real quick. I do. Um, I'll, I'll kind of give you some context. So back in Missouri, when uh, the Ferguson riots happened and um, Dr. Uh, Tony Evans had been to Missouri, Dr. Anderson came later. But all the same, um, after the Tony Evans visit, he had left the, the, the group of clergy, basically a plan to move forward. And it was about being a bridge builder. It was about reaching, you know, that there were churches in, in Ferguson that were all white, all black. And it was like, you guys need to start building bridges with one another. And however you do it, you know, there are ways to do this well. And so because I had spent probably the last decade before the Ferguson incident happened, doing it, I wanted to be a resource. But the problem was, didn't nobody want to talk to me. And, and, and it was because, oh, you, you pastored at all white church. And it's like, listen, guys, I, I kind of know a little something that would be helpful to at least walk across the street to the all white church and all to the all black church and just get together at the table. And nobody wanted to do it. And so what I started to do was just put myself in spaces or better yet, God started putting me in spaces where people would listen mm. and that were really thirsty and hungry to, to walk away from the status quo and start moving their congregations into a, in, into a more multi-ethnic uh, context. I mean, because mm -hmm. I mean, I had a church that was, that had been in one community for a hundred years mm. and all of a sudden, the demographic changed. So you have an all-white church where over half of the church has now left and went to another area of town because those people moved in and the church doesn't want to die. And so they're like, how do we reach the people that are in our neighborhood? And so they learned about what I was doing and brought me in. And lo and behold, this church is now a multi-ethnic church. And unfortunately, unless I am trumpeting the cause, and, and I mean exclusively, 
about black people or African-Americans, whatever, you know, we mm-hmm. want to call ourselves, unless I'm doing that, then I'm not black enough. Mm. And so then that, that gets me ushered out of places. Um, sad to say, even being here in South Carolina, I have more white pastors numbers in my phone from South Carolina than I do of people of color mm-hmm. that pass the churches. And, and so that's something that is a prayer of mine that we're able mm-hmm. to get them to the table. I mean, mm-hmm. I have, I, I'm glad God has given me the audience that he's given me, but I also want to get other people to the table. So that way I don't get too relaxed. Yeah. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that. And I, and I love that I do see you as such a bridge builder because of the God-given ability to love people so well. I've never seen, I don't think I've ever seen such a strong ability to do that. And it's God-given. And that to me, that is the secret to bridge building. It's just that love. People mm-hmm. want to feel loved and you make them feel loved. Um, so on both sides of that table. So that's good. So um the whole sermon was not about race. Um, it was really honestly about preferences and different things like that. And, and um, a lot of it was about preferences. So let's talk a little bit about that. Um, you, you talked on Sunday about the difference between um, eternal issues and just preferences that we have today. And I thought it would be fun for us just to uh, pick each other's brains. What are some things that are going on right now that you would say, and you could pick from either eternal or um, just current preferences. And, and just for an example, just a current preference would be the volume of the music that, that people you know, are getting. And so we're looking for things that we feel like people are getting passionate about. Because you were saying, hey, let's be passionate about the things that are eternal, not the temporal. And so you know, something that people are passionate about is volume of music, right? On a Sunday morning, somebody could be passionate about that. Something that could be eternal would be um, accepting somebody who doesn't look churchy enough in into the community or something like that. So let's let's just discuss where does that take your take your minds and can you think of specific situations, specific eternal or immediate preferences, if you will. Is that a tough one? And now yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was uh, really rolling that over in my brain. And one of the things that I thought was um, preaching style. Um, so, you know, and the first thought was, you know, are you going to preach through the Bible a verse at a time and unpack it? Mm-hmm. Or are you going to address things topically? Mm-hmm. And so there are actually churches that um, feel like one or the other is the right way and the other way is the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't agree with that. Um, I think that it's helpful to have both yeah. um, ways of approaching scripture. Sometimes you need to look at an all over topic and see everything the scripture has to say about it to get the real view. Um, but there's something to be missed if you don't sit down with a book of the Bible every once in a while and really look at it in its context and what's surrounding it. Um, and so I think that there are people who will choose their church based on how the word is presented. <laughs> I think you know, when you said preaching style, I didn't go there, <clears throat> Michelle. I went to the reality of um, delivery style. 
Mm, that too. There's, there are people who are probably flummoxed, and that's a nice big word for me to use today. That was good. Flummoxed. I like it. Flummoxed. <laughs> flummoxed. Hang on, let me, Google, let me Google that real quick. <laughs> by the fact that we have a diverse teaching team and not one person up there every Sunday. And, and I think that actually thinking multi-ethnically, that is so important. But there are people that I, I know it's, gonna, it's happening. Um, you know, the lead pastor isn't up there every Sunday. That's not my church. Mm-hmm. And that is so unfair to me, to any lead pastor, just mm-hmm. to that burden. Because the lead pastor's job isn't just to preach to us. It's mm-hmm. to lead, shepherd, and care. And so I think, Ray, you've been wise in that you came into a place that was established teaching team and, and said there's value in that, which you and I talked, that was one of the reasons you wanted to be here, not as the lead pastor, because remember you weren't that at first, was <laughs> man, a teaching team that spreads this out is multiple voices with, with diversity. But I think some people make that an eternal issue almost like if they're not doing that, then people aren't going to hear the gospel, which I, <laughs> I would say the ultimate eternal issue is obviously is the gospel being preached yep. um, in its wholeness. And if it is, that's enough, mm-hmm. you know, um, but, but the other one I would say, not just leapfrogging off the shelves, I think and this one's going to ruffle feathers a little bit, um, but politics is not an eternal issue. I'm going to repeat that. Mm-hmm. Politics is not an eternal issue, but in the church in America, we've made it such. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And, and not just the church in America, I, I, I bet everywhere we've ever been in history, politics has made its way in. And and though there is some good discussion to be had about theological principles that should inform our political actions, politics is not the eternal issue. It's preference. Yep. You know, yeah. it really is. And, and to me, I've noticed that even more here being in South Carolina because it's a hodgepodge of people from so many different yeah. states. I mean, I just met a new a new friend from Connecticut last Sunday in church. And at the same time, I met another couple that moved here from Ohio, you know, and so people are coming from all over the place. I'm coming from California, you know, Michelle's coming from Pittsburgh. Rob, you're from Vermont and Seattle, you know, uh, Ray's from middle America. So it's like we all come from all these different places. And so we bring those political preferences with us. And I've noticed that here, that people are looking subconsciously for trigger words. Oh, they said that word, that must mean, you know, and then they throw in, it's like, hey, people, we're in church worshiping God. That might be a word that the news outlet uses for a trigger, but that was not intended as a trigger word. Um, But depending on the news media outlet you listen to, you're triggered by different things. And so, yeah, I love it. Keep going if you guys have more. (laughs) i mean the reality is is that we could divide over almost everything Mm. and and unfortunately that is what it it, it, i mean it has it's come to that in church yeah are you the are you the church that wear masks are you the church that don't wear masks are you the church that uh allows women to speak or you don't allow women to speak i mean it's we've made it possible because this isn't Jesus's plan. This mm-hmm. isn't God's plan for his bride that mm-hmm. we would be divided over so many issues. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the unfortunate thing is if, if we were to look at this through the lens of first Corinthians chapter 12, what, what gracism sits on, if we would think about all the things that we, we allow ourselves 
to be divided by or we divide ourselves by, we would be a dismembered body. And yeah. think about how gruesome and horrifying that is. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, it's yeah. just, and we're so like, it's so natural for us to separate ourselves into different camps. And I don't want to get into next week's podcast because I know what Michelle's teaching on, but I, I do, I do want to say it's important for us to analyze what camps we find ourselves in. I'll take myself, for example, I have, uh, I always go to long hair just because it's like one of the obvious things about me. But so therefore, I must like rock and roll music and I use an iPhone. So therefore, I use Apple devices and, you know, and I am a part of East Lake BroFit. So therefore, I don't eat such and such food. And we just, just divide ourselves into all these things. And then now all of a sudden, I'm surrounded by people who look just like me. They all have iPhones. They all listen to the same music. They all eat the same food. They all work out with the same regimen. They all care about the same things politically. And all of a sudden, we become an echo chamber. And it's really comfortable for us to all just get together and be just like each other. And denominations form and different things form based on those things. So I love it. East Lake is trying to go against the grain. And I love one of the camps that I love being a part of is the camp that goes against the grain, <laughs> the rebels. I like being a rebel with you guys. Um, at its core, though, Philip, at its core, you know, what Ray talked about in, in, in his passage about disputed matters, what that helps us do is avoid in an unhealthy way having areas that disputed matters could come up in because having the good conversations around those disputed matters is how growth happens. Ooh. You know, I think one of the, you brought up, what, you know, when you asked this question, we got silent because if you guys are like me, what happened in my brain was landmines everywhere, Philip. <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> so I think because even though we are being intentional about it, imagine if somebody's not being intentional, mm -hmm. they will get in that echo chamber. I've been guilty of it. In, in my life. And, and it takes that intentionality. And again, another word that we use over and over again at East Lake, because it's going to have to be intentional. Intentionality to walk into the minefield and say, when the mind goes off, I'm going to help diffuse it mm -hmm. so that we can have the conversation. And that's really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you said that. That's, it, that's Yeah, it, it is uncomfortable. And I think, you know, what Paul is trying to get people to do with talking about their preferences and, and talking about one group is weak and, and the other group is strong is, you know, he wants us to understand that we're going to be transformed by having these yeah. people with different preferences around us. Mm -hmm. And Christ, the way he works in us is he wants us to learn to lay down what we want for what Christ wants, mm -hmm. for what God the Father wants. And, you know, that is really what Paul is getting at when he's talking about don't be disunified. Mm -hmm. And when, Philip, we're in these spaces and places where we're never challenged with what we think, where we never hear a different opinion, we just stagnate. We mm -hmm. just, and that's why our country is polarized because, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, our social media um, sorts us into camps. It does. And, and gives us more news that, that is like the last news that we read. And I mean, it just creates these little insulated bubbles where we have forgotten to learn how to talk to each other mm -hmm. and how to sit at a table with yep. each other. 
And, you know, that I think is the premise of what Romans is about is mm-hmm. how are you going to live this out with mm-hmm. people who are different than you? Mm-hmm. That's so good. One of the things that it brought up too during the sermon was this idea of devaluing people, you know, the weak, they're devalued. And that one really struck a chord with me when Ray started teaching on that. And, and, you, and you made this comment, I don't know if you did it intentionally on Sunday, but you said, this is the worst one devaluing people because what you're doing is you're despising the creator of that person yes and it is so easy to to especially if you live in echo chambers and nobody admits that they live in echo chambers by the way but most of us do but that means as soon as somebody's not like us it's really easy for us to devalue them and to make and to see their differences as something that makes them weak and uh I'll tell you guys a story that that I have that pertains to this. And I'd love if while I'm telling the story, if you have any that come up, please let me do uh, let me hear them. But so we have three kids um, and two of them are adopted. The two younger ones, we adopted them through the child protection services and not as infants. So that means that these kids were they don't put these kids up for adoption unless there is a reason they don't remove children from birth parents unless there's an obvious reason that this is no longer safe for the child and so because of that two of our kids experienced lots of things that I have never experienced at at, at an extremely young age we have reports the little bit of information that we have they were exposed to very traumatic things and um, even to the point of we don't know what kind of care they had for their formative their first you know years think about most babies when they're born all you do is coddle them can I hold the baby can I hold the baby can I hold the baby you know and they just experience all this love and they learn that when they cry then they're going to get this kind of comfort well that's not necessarily the case for at least one of our kids and therefore different connections were formed in his brain Um, whenever he cries, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to receive comfort. It doesn't, you know, and it's kind of this fight or flight syndrome. I give all that story to say, I can remember hundreds of times walking into grocery stores with this child or going to a restaurant or going to church, um, being in the lobby and mental breakdowns for this child, just losing his mind. So many people. See you coming. So many people, they're looking at me, they're judging, they're looking at this kid, like, God help this child, you know, like somebody needs to, you know, beat his booty, I'll say that, but they have no idea what he might have experienced and why that might not be what he needs in that moment. They have no reason, no, no, no idea in why he's acting like that. Maybe he's only been with this strange family for two weeks. And so, yeah, he's breaking down. Nothing's normal to him. And I just use that example to say, when we devalue somebody or we judge somebody, we have no idea the backstory. The real story is this kid is a fighter who has seen some horrible things and he's stronger than probably anybody else that's scoffing at them because of the things he's been through. He has so much strength and so much value. And these are two parents that are doing their very best to do what most people are scared to do. And it's just like, you can't, but you can't put that paragraph out and wave it for people. And so 
as I tell that story, it might not be something that you have personally, but does that make you think of anything or you let's just discuss this for a little bit. That is the, it, that's the precise reason why when we got to the section on grace forbids us from judging one another is why we camp there for a second. We, I mean, the first point that I make in that particular part of the message is we're not omniscient. Mm -hmm. We don't know enough. And so therefore, rather than jump to conclusions, why not jump to prayer mm -hmm. for that, for that mom and dad and for that child? Because I mean, the, the alternative, it's not good. Mm -hmm. What would have felt so amazing in that moment is for a person in any of these situations to just say, Hey, isn't it fun raising kids? Can I help you? Or don't worry, or, or to just, you know, say something like, Hey, um, my kids do the same thing. Don't you worry about it. Don't you worry about it at all. I hope you have a blessed day or, you know, things like that. And then all of a sudden, instead of me feeling like everybody's looking at me, wondering what I'm going to do and why I'm such a horrible parent. Now I feel like they're on my team and they understand. It would feel so much better <laughs> mm -hmm. to have that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the truth is um, there are degrees of that in everyone's life because as human beings, we are in this broken world. Mm -hmm. And so um, I know that your child has seen and heard and experienced some things that are off the charts mm -hmm. in every family there is brokenness and that brokenness shows up as we relate. And when we start judging one another about the places where we are broken, we get nowhere. We get polarized like we are politically. We get stuck in our houses. We are angry and not helpful. And, you know, as I work with people, you know, I'm always amazed when you do something like you just described, Philip, mm -hmm. when, when I say to a mom or a dad, you're doing a good job. Mm -hmm. This is going to pay off in the long run. God didn't make a mistake when he gave you this child. Mm -hmm. He meant for this to be. Mm -hmm. It makes the biggest difference, far bigger positive difference than if they feel like I'm sitting there with my checklist of, well, why haven't you done this as a parent? And why haven't you done that? And if you were a better parent and had more control, your child wouldn't act like this in public. Not helpful. Mm -mm. Grace, grace paints a picture that helps people go up higher. Woo. Ooh, Ooh, put that on a pillow, Rob. Tell Jenny she needs to put that on a pillow. <laughs> you know, because because here's here's the thing, Ray. You said something else that speaks to this. We can't be objective. We can try, and, and I know that we all do our best when we're in situations of conversation. But the reality is, we are we are using a filter that that has been placed there over years of life mm -hmm. that we can certainly counter with the power of the Holy Spirit. But to be totally objective, only Jesus has got that. And, and if we acknowledge that, we will not look at Philip or Christian and, and these beautiful kids and make them a judgment in a, in a, in a supermarket. Mm -hmm. We will go, I wonder what they're dealing with today mm -hmm. instead of immediately going to what we would assume. It, and here it is. I just, it just, bang, here's the problem. If I'm judging you for the way you're parenting, it's because I know my parenting is flawed. 
<laughs> and so you're Ooh. an easier target than me. Drop the mic. You're an easier. You're an easier target than myself. Oh, it's well. Funny. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I mean, I'm gonna leave. Yeah, you said it. I mean, in life, it's so much easier to take the focus off myself when I'm uncomfortable with me. If I can get, you know, worried about what you're doing and what you need to fix, and you know, all of a sudden I'm in enmeshed in your life. I don't have to think about my my problems because yep. I don't really want to. Yep. I'd much rather tell you what to do. That's right. um, and that's human nature, but it is not helpful. It costs you nothing to mind your own business. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Do we pay the price of judging people that cost us the relationship? Yeah. I know. But if we if we just mind our own business, it costs us nothing. Mm -hmm. All right. There I, I can I can tell a little bit of a story and leave the characters out, I think. So let me do my best. Somebody called me and they were asking me how what I should tell, how they could help somebody else. So somebody, somebody, there's a third party that's struggling with something. And this person called me and said, how can I help them? And my comment to them was, it must've been God through me because I'm not this good of a person. But um, my comment to them was, was you just need to tell them that they're doing a great job and that you love them. And that if they need anything, you're here to help and that you support them and that you're just impressed with how good they're doing through their difficult situation. And this person says to me, wow, I never thought of that because they were so focused on fixing them. So focused on here's the things they need to do. Here's the five steps. No. And then when you build me up and Michelle, you kind of said this, but when you make me feel good, I all of a sudden have this power to get through it and, and I can elevate myself above it and make better decisions even. Cause yeah. I feel good about myself. I don't feel like a failure. I hope some moms out there hear that, that are struggling with whatever it may be and some dads too. But for some reason, I'm thinking specifically moms and Jesus and Ray, you kind of said this on Sunday. You said you walk, you walk, you lead them to Jesus. How did you say that? If you remember you, you, something about you just love them to Jesus or what'd you say? That's exactly what I said. Yeah. I mean, we, we don't have the capacity to even fix ourselves. How, I mean, how many, how many of us started off the year with a plan to lose X amount of pounds by X, by X date? How are you doing with that? <laughs> how many of you said, okay, you know what? I, I'm, I'm done with this pandemic. As soon as this day hit, I'm going to do, how are you doing with that today? If you don't have the capacity to fix you, what makes you think that you can fix somebody else? No. No. Walk with them to Jesus, who has the ability to transform hearts and minds mm -hmm. and conform them to his likeness. Mm -hmm. And that way you can sleep a lot better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, and a cool thing that you talked about on Sunday was about this idea of grace for one another. And you told the story, and I remember it very well. Uh, we should reminisce on it a little bit about whenever we first were introduced to this pandemic. I remember having breakfast. We were going through a book together. And, you know, there's news is saying that the 
you know, we were going through mistakes leaders make was the book. <laughs> yes, right. And uh, I remember sitting there thinking, it's not going to make it over to us. I mean, we were all like, it's it's fine. It's not like, you know, this is just news hyping things up. And 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 I was like, well, if we need to get online and we need to do church online, because at this point we were not broadcasting live, I was like, I could probably get us live in six months. I think we could do it, you know, a, a, and then, and then the next day we meet, it's like, we could probably get on live in a month. And then next thing it's like, okay, this Sunday, we need to be live in three days. <laughs> um, uh, but it's just funny because the thing that you said to all of us, and, and it made me love it so much is you say, we have to have grace for each other. And we're sitting there looking at staff members who are not comfortable with working possibly in the office or being in the lobby. Like we're just navigating so many things. I had just moved across the country. You know, we didn't have a lead pastor. I mean, you guys could tell me what I'm missing, but I mean, everything was a mess in, in a sense. God had us totally, but we didn't have an official lead pastor. I, I think we, we had to vote you in, Ray, over like a period of time and all this stuff. And you said, we have to have grace for each other. Then it comes time to come back together. And this goes off of what we were just talking about before, where when we can't control ourselves, it's easier to control other people. We took a break, Ray. You said, we need to take a break because we're about to open up and people are going to come back. And there's a whole host of things that people have not been able to control. Mm -hmm. And we're about to enter in all of us into this environment. We don't know what it, we're going to experience and we need to be ready to love people sure. well. I don't know why I'm telling this story, but it just was so important to me. And, and I hope we've navigated that well. I, I feel like we have. And the only reason we can say we have is because people have shown us grace and we've shown them grace. But any other thoughts on that whole wild story, that wild thing that we went through? <laughs> that was a wild ride. I don't. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, wait, 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 what? Have we gotten off that ride? <laughs> no. It's, it's not a Netflix documentary yet, so we're still in it. We're still in it. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate I appreciate the grace that everybody has shown everybody in our church. And I'm sure there's been moments where we haven't, um, but we keep pointing ourselves back to it, trying to do it. So I'll close us out with, um, let me see, I'll pull up our responsibility from this Sunday. So if you don't go to Eastlake, I'll just fill you in and you might be watching this podcast every week. This has become a tradition kind of on accident. Did we ever plan on doing this intentionally? Somebody might have had a plan. Somebody I'm might have. I'm not going to say who she is. But right. I'm just saying. <laughs> but every week we do an our responsibility. And I love it because it's kind of the practical thing. What am I going to do about this now? And so we'll close out with the same thing. And yours was on Sunday, name that thing. And um, name that thing that that is your preference. It might not be eternal, but what's the thing that you're hung up on? And then the second thing was give it or them to Jesus. And uh, I, we've kind of named those things this morning. I feel like we've done a little bit of that, um, but I want to open it up. If you want to name anything that maybe um, you would challenge people to, and I know once again, I'm opening up some landmines here, but some things that, that you need to just give to Jesus maybe, or you are praying for people to give to Jesus. I want to I want to remind you that there was a third that I think is really important. Oh, was it? Did it, I miss it? The third. Now I missed it the first time too, and I had to go back. 
And it's the, after you've done those two things, stay at the table. Oh, yeah. Which is the hard one. Because Mm -hmm. again, what we said earlier, you name it, you give it to Jesus. And then sometimes I think we feel like we can go, okay, and I'm out. Yep. But the the thing to do is to stay there. Um, And I think the pandemic, what you just talked about is it, Philip, because Mm -hmm. as we went through that first three months of figuring out what to do, we were working from home and we were working from here. And, you know, and, and, and I remember sitting at home for seven days in a row. Um, and, and us kind of doing these kind of meetings in those moments where we could have taken the opportunity to walk away from that table were many. And I don't mean walk away from our jobs. I mean, walk away from our commitment to grace mm-hmm. where we could have been all up on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and we chose, nope, staying at the table. Yeah. Okay. That was disappointing to me, staying at the table, because I disappointed you seven times last week. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we stayed there. And I think for me, it's still indicative important for us right now talking to everyone that can hear this, to Mm -hmm. stay at that table and to realize mask, no mask, um, activity, no activity is is a thing that we have to figure out how to navigate Mm -hmm. because it's not going to go away tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Even if it changes, it's not going to go away. Mm -hmm. Let's stay at the table. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Well, I, I, I feel challenged by this Sunday and I know what's coming next Sunday and I'm ready to be challenged again. I'm growing a lot. And even just getting to do this podcast with you guys and rehash it is growing me because it's forcing me to sit down with it even more. And I hope it's doing that for our people who are watching this, that we're all growing in it more. As we close, I'm going to read this statement that Ray opened and closed his sermon with. It says, as a church, we must be strong in acceptance committed to staying in community and weak in judgment towards one another. And I hope that everybody listening to this will do that. I hope that I do that. I pray that the grace of God will help me do that. With that said, we're signing off. We will see everybody later. Much love to all of you. Have a great day. Eastlake Community Church is an intentional multicultural community empowered by the Holy Spirit. We passionately pursue a loving relationship with God and everyone Jesus was sent to die for, here, near, and far.